Well, we have been talking about the bride fit for the king, a bride fit for the king, and we are that bride. The church is the bride of Christ, growing up into full maturity and unity in him, as we read in Ephesians 4 this morning. Just a little bit of a review before we get into today's message. Uh, After we heard about the main thing being the main thing from Pastor Gary, do you remember what the main thing is? Make disciples. I like that better than discipleship because, first of all, discipleship is not in the Bible. That word is something we made. And it looks like a little booklet that you fill out and put all the right answers on the line, and that makes you a disciple. Making disciples is a lifelong, life-on-life activity, and he challenged us to keep that as the main thing, and I trust we're all doing that. Uh, then we, uh, that first message was on Matthew 25, the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish, the five wise, wife, five wise wives had the oil of the Spirit through salvation in Christ and lived a betrothed life, meaning it was, they were all in. They were focused on what it meant to be the bride of Christ. Uh, after that, we spoke about the last Adam, where Paul compares Christ with Adam as the founder of a new humanity. The church is the beginning of a new creation, not just a Sunday club, not just a religion, it's a new creation, and we are the members, the first uh, members of that new humanity as we move toward the new heaven and new earth that the Lord is making for us. And then last week, we talked about Matthew 16, where Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. And the rock being the teaching of the apostles represented by Peter at that moment, but also Christ himself confessed with the mouth of a believing heart. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rock on which he is building his church. And we can take comfort in the fact that it is his church, not Pastor Bill's church, it's not my church, it's not your future pastor's church. It's the church of Jesus Christ, and he promises to build it. He is doing the work. But this week, we move to Ephesians 4, 15, and 16, and I hope you have your Bibles or your electronic Bibles open to this passage, because we're going to be diving into it quickly in the time that we have, and talk about the part that we play in the work of Christ for building up the body. And it's primarily speaking the truth in love. How the body grows is speaking the truth in love. And this is from uh, Ephesians 4, 15. Instead, it says in the NIV, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Here it is in the ESV, the English Standard Version. It says just a little bit different. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So our passage starts with rather or instead. Rather than what? Instead of what? Well, I hope you have your Bible open because you can look back to verse 14 And it says, rather than being infants, uh, listen to verse 14, then we will no longer be infants, 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So we're talking about growing from being babies to being mature, being the stature of Christ, growing up to fit our head, who is perfect, seated at the right hand of the Father, but his body is continuing to grow and develop in every way, Paul says. Now let me just stop here and talk about being an infant. An infant doesn't know how to make its own food, doesn't know how to clean itself or dress itself, just comes to its mother every time it's hungry and feeds. If you think that coming to church on Sunday is the only thing you need to do in order to grow in Christ, you are at very best an infant. We each need to prepare our own spiritual food through daily meditation and reading and study and prayer and communion with the saints and with Christ so that we grow up into him. That's what it means to stop being an infant and grow into being mature. But verse 14 has a pointer back too. It says, then, well, the question is when. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, that's knowing Jesus, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Problem is, 13 starts with until. So pointing back, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, this is verse 11, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, I think the NIV says ministry, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we're talking about Jesus giving gifts to the church, the five ministerial gifts, for the purpose of preparing each member to do its work in building up the body. One of the reasons I push back a little bit at being called Pastor Thomas is because the word here in the text is plural, pastors. God gives pastors, and I believe he gives pastors to most every local church. There are various pastors. There are various evangelists. It's not one guy. Never in the New Testament do we see a church with one leader, one individual leader. The Apostle Paul would set up a church and then quickly appoint elders out of those who had been converted to Christ. So we're talking about various people. Uh, I actually see myself and Susanna, our ministry, as more of an apostle ministry, which means literally messenger, taking the message to those who don't know. So, Douglas, if you want to call me something, you can call me Apostle Thomas. <laughs> Let's go back down to verse 15. How does the body grow? Rather, it says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Now, if you're used to reading the Portuguese, or maybe you're reading it right there, it doesn't say speaking the truth. What does it say? It uses the word seguindo, following, living by the truth, which is an interesting translation. And I went back and looked at other translations to see why it might say that. The Amplified was helpful. If you don't know about the Amplified version, it takes uh, difficult Greek terms and tries to give all the possible translations right there in the text. Listen to what it says. But speaking the truth in love, and then it brackets, 
in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies. So the idea is to speak the truth and to be in the truth, to be genuine, to be truthful, not just talk, but essence, living in the truth. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. That's in the body of Christ. In Christ, we're members of Christ. If you have accepted him in your heart, he has come into you, but more importantly, you have come into him. And you have become a member of the other members of his body through his oneness, through his unity. Uh, so we need to put off all falsehood, all pretense. And see, there's a real problem when you think that it's a Sunday club where you all come dressed in your best and speaking nicely, being nice, only seeing each other in this environment, and you can go away thinking, I painted, whitewashed it for the Englishman to see, right? Isn't that what we say in uh, Portuguese? I look very nice to all of them, but they don't know my insides. Colossians 3, 9 and 10 is helpful too. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Satan is a liar and the father of lies and the father of liars. Jesus said all who live by lies are his children rather than children of God. Jesus, on the other hand, is the truth. But our, our command is to follow or speak the truth in love. And so my question is, which comes first, truth or love? In that phrase, the truth is spoken in an environment, a relationship, a reality of loving acceptance. I like to propose that this is the spark plug to the church and to the spiritual life. You know how an engine works. You know that a spark plug is right at the center of the power of an engine. Uh, what happens is uh, two, currents from two different places come together, one around those uh, threads, the other through the point in the back, uh, inside of that white porcelain, and out of the little pin. So there's a space there that at exactly the right time, a, a jolt of current jumps from one pole to the other and creates a visible light, a spark. If it's exactly at the right time, and there's exactly the right mixture of air and fuel in a compressed cylinder, the engine works. Think about that environment as the love that exists between you and Christ and between you and the members of his body. And the spark that, is, that flashes at the right time is that nugget of truth, that word or uh, phrase, sentence, or message that you place in an environment of loving, pressing together, uh, fed by his word, the body grows as we do his work. Now, if there's anything between those two poles, if that little space there is bridged by a piece of dirt, 
let's call it selfishness, the spark doesn't appear. The truth is not spoken. And the engine stops functioning. The body stops growing. I find this example and this truth to be so important for today. John 1.14 says, We have seen his glory, says John. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Full of two things. Not half and half, but full of grace and full of truth. You see, the left says love is all you need. Just accept everybody and love them. What's the matter with you Christians that can't love everybody? And the right says truth, 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 truth. And we need both. Jesus is both. Because love without the truth is not loving. And the truth without, without love is not true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is love. He is both. And as I receive His full, unconditional acceptance, though we were sinners, while I was yet a sinner, He received me. He died for me. He loved me. And then He brings me into His light, His truth. And I have to change to be more like Him. The next verse, verse 16, leads us back to Jesus. And I want you to notice that at the end of verse 15, it says, into him. And at the beginning of verse 16, it says, from him. So we're growing into him from him. The body receives from him what it needs to give to itself across that pole of the spark plug from you to your brother or sister as you speak the truth in love. 1 John 4, 7-9, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. There you go, from Him. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has made was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. 1 Corinthians 13 assures us that without love, it doesn't matter how much you know, it doesn't matter how good your sermons are, it doesn't matter if you know how to evangelize a dozen different ways. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, I could add theology to that, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, power, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What Paul is challenging us to do, growing from what we have received to, through Christ and creating that love environment in which we can speak the truth, follow the truth, live the truth, is to set a table of unconditional love and then serve up generous helpings of the truth in that environment. Last week we had, uh, well, increase said we had 300 people at the potluck. I don't think it was quite that much, 
But we had a lot of people stay for lunch. But some people told me this week that they, it made them feel lonely. Because no one noticed them, no one called them over. Uh, they felt like everyone had a friend. And I want to challenge us, Calvary, that we need to be a church of love. We have got to see each other and reach out and know each other's names and serve one another in Christ's uh, character as he grows among us. Because we can preach all we want if there's not Christ's love in the mix, in the midst of us. That preaching will fall on rocky ground, will not bear fruit. Let's create a culture of Christ's love at Calvary so that we are not preaching in vain. How can we put this into practice? Number one, don't try harder to love. Love comes from God. As we receive his love more and more and more deeply, every day remember that Jesus loves you and that you love because he first loved us. Receive his love. Receive his love now. Know that he loves you. He knows your name. He knows your thoughts. He understands your heartache. And he wants to come into that and have dinner with you. That's what Revelation 3.20 says. Amazing. If you open the door, he doesn't come in and clean house. He comes in and sits down at the table and says, what's for, what's for supper? Enjoying fellowship with you just as he did with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Receive Jesus' love. That's where it always starts. And then flow in the joy of that reception in love for others in his name. Loving especially the household of faith, but loving everyone. So that out of that love comes the truth that we speak and that we practice. Suzanne and I got to know a man named Jim Orr, a missionary long-term. Uh, he was actually a missionary kid from Brazil who grew up and started the, the mission Meapi, which is the mission to the fishing villages on the coast south of the state of Sao Paulo. And he told us one time that he would take his little boat uh, up to these fishing islands and villages along the coast, and people would hear him coming. And those who didn't like evangelicals or their message would come out with rocks and sticks and throw it at the boat and try to keep him from landing to say anything to them. And he said he would be tempted to leave and go somewhere else, but he, he learned the habit of anchoring his boat just beyond the rocks falling in the water, and then he had a little burner on his stove where he could heat some water and make a cup of coffee. And he would sit and drink his coffee and pray for the people on the beach and say, Lord, give me your love for these people. I don't love them very much right now, but I want to love them with the love you have for them. And I believe you've sent me to this place today. And he said, sometimes it took two cups of coffee. But at some point, like Romans 5 says, the Spirit would pour out love in his heart and he, he didn't care anymore if the rocks hit him. He had to tell them the good news of Jesus because he loved them with the love that Christ had given him. That's what I'm talking about. My friends, we don't obey the Great Commission because we don't love the lost enough. We don't tell our neighbors about Jesus because we're more worried about what they think about us than about their eternal destiny. It's love we need, not more preaching. Maybe you've already told them. 
receive the love of Christ for them through you and love them extraordinarily the way Christ has loved us. And at the right time, let that spark plug spark and say, you know what? Jesus is the solution. He changed my life. Can I tell you how? Receive and express his love. Number two, the first speaking of truth in love is our confession of our sin. When we know we are accepted, when we know he has died in our place, we freely open up and say, yes, Lord, and I am not worthy. We have no idea how unworthy we are. But the more deeply we know him, the more brightly his light shines in our souls, the more we know our own sin and we can freely confess and guess what? Receive more grace and love through the humility of confession. And this includes confessing our sins to one another. I know a lot about Pastor Bill's sins. Are you awake over there, Pastor Bill? He knows a lot about my sins. Because Pastor Bill and I and a couple of others were in an accountability group for, what, five years, Pastor Bill? Something like that. And once a week, or once every two weeks, something like that, we'd get together and we'd go through a list of seven questions. We'd look each other in the eye and say, have you spent time with your children and your wife this week? Have you spent time in the Word and in prayer every day? Last question was, have you lied? including answering these seven questions. (laughs) And we confessed our sins to one another. You couldn't pay me enough to tell you what those sins were. The Lord used us in each other's lives to build up the body, to build up our trust of each other, to build up our defenses against temptation and sin. Because we spoke the truth in an environment of loving, careful, trusting acceptance. That's what it means to speak the truth in love. Finally, speak believing about what the Bible says for the love of Christ and others. This is, this is a whole sermon in itself. But I think we need to start with encouragement, building others up as we've been built up. We speak the gospel If you ride in an Uber and you are a believer in Christ and you fail to pray for that Uber driver and ask God, Lord, give me love for this person and show me how I can ask them about their lives in a way that will lead the conversation to you, then you're still an infant, most likely, waiting for Sunday to come and get fed and not growing up into maturity by speaking the truth in love. Receive his love. Express his love. Love extraordinarily like he does. Confess our sins one to another in an environment of love. Encourage one another and build each other up. Reprove in love those who are wandering from the truth and proclaim the gospel to all creatures. As we receive people at Calvary, we should receive them with open arms. Welcome. You are welcome here. What's your name? How are you doing? Can I get you some water? You're welcome. But the more they get in, the more they should know the truth that they cannot stay the way they arrive. None of us can. We should all be changing by the truth. It's not all love, neither it's all truth. I close with a story of the Skyway Bridge in May 9th, 
1980. The highest bridge in the United States is in St. Petersburg, Florida. I think it's still the highest. Anyway, 50 meters off the water. It was a foggy early morning and a barge ran into one of the supports for that bridge and a whole section of the highway fell into the ocean. Nine cars and a busload of people went off before someone was able to stop and warn the people behind them. And the story is, I looked for the evidence of this, the truthfulness of this story, but there is a story told in Florida where we lived for two years about the guy who was able to stop just before he went over the precipice and he's sitting in his car thinking, I just about died. And suddenly he remembers the people coming behind him. And he gets out of his car in the fog and goes out in the middle of this three-lane highway and starts waving his arms like a crazy man and yelling, you got to stop, you got to stop, the road's broken. And apparently at least one car full of people went by him honking their horns and yelling for the crazy guy to get out of the road before they plunged to their death. I hope that's how you feel at your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood, they think you're crazy. Because for the love of Christ and for the love of your lost friends, you're standing in the middle of the road saying, you gotta stop, you're on the way to eternal death. That's what it means to speak the truth in love and grow up into Christ who is the head. Lord Jesus, let this seed fall in our hearts so that we will be doers of your word and not hearers only. Make us a loving church. Fill our hearts with your love through your spirit, love for each other and love for every person you bring across our path. And thank you for Pastor Bill and Mary and Nathaniel and Julie and others who have made this a church of the word, a church where the truth is proclaimed and known and studied so that we can truly grow up and be mature according to you. And we'll give you all the glory. In your powerful name, Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen.